you know, the first time I got into cold water, you know, below swimming pool temperature, like, and I realized, like, I couldn't even swim for 10 minutes, you know, like, let alone 15 hours. And, and I couldn't even do the crawl at that point. Hello, and welcome to Marathon Swim Stories. I'm marathon swimmer and coach, Shannon Keegan. In today's episode, I share more detail about my road to motherhood than I ever have out loud. Which is funny, because this was supposed to be Jessica Hepburn's marathon swim story. We had a rich conversation about enjoying the journey, learning to let go, recognizing your weaknesses, accepting your tendencies, and so much more. But we acknowledged miscarriage and stillbirth, things that are taboo in daily conversation. Reading Jessica's book, 21 Miles, Swimming in Search of the Meaning of Motherhood, gave me the courage to tell my story Her book helped me acknowledge my pain and find comfort in how I chose to heal from my losses by pursuing Project Me on my road to motherhood. But it has also helped me accept the mother, marathon swimmer, and coach that I want to be. What a gift. I hope this episode touches someone else as much as Jessica and her book have touched me. Enjoy. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for being my guest today on Marathon Swim Stories. Tell me. (laughs) It's uh, such a joy to be here, Shannon. (laughs) Tell us, tell us, what's your story? What is my story? Well, well, the... um, it's, I, I'm, when you ask me that question, I'm thinking, should I start at the beginning or should I start at the end? So um, yeah, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, I think I start at the end. And then, um, uh, well, the, uh, I uh, swam the channel, um, which is my marathon swim, ultimate marathon swim story um, in 2015 um, in 17 hours, 44 minutes and 30 seconds. Um and it changed my life um, completely. Um, and I suppose then moving back, I wasn't a swimmer. Like I, I think people often come to a big swim like the channel because they've been, they've swum competitively as a child um, and they want to do, you know, take that further when they become an adult or they get into open water swimming um, and uh, they, um, uh, you know, it move on from there. And in my case, I sort of describe my journey to, um, to the channel as being sort of part midlife crisis, part, um, part childhood dream. Um, and I, the childhood dream bit, I, I sort of, it was definitely, I struggle with a bit because, um, like, I think 
sort of people swimming the channel was sort of more talked about um, when I was little. And I think I remember seeing it in the newspaper or something. And I wasn't actually, I mean, I loved swimming as a child, but I wasn't a very good swimmer. You know, I didn't get picked for the school swimming team. I was like every, I, I was part of a swimming club, but everyone used to joke that breaststroke legs was my best stroke. <laughs> well, even the arms, you know, just the leg. Um, so, um, yeah, so, but I, I remember saying to my dad, um, you know, that it, it didn't matter that I didn't get into the school. I was trying to sort of console him um, uh, that it, it didn't matter that I didn't get into the school swimming team because I was going to swim the channel one day. And then I literally didn't think about it for another 30 years. Um, and like all I did was maybe a few lengths of breaststroke in my late local pool or swim in the sea on holiday somewhere warm. Um, and until I got into my early 40s and we may talk about this more but like the midlife crisis um, was that I went through like a decade of um, unsuccessful fertility treatment having had a diagnosis of unexplained infertility um, and you know it was one it well it is the single hardest thing that I've ever been through in my life um, and I just got into my early 40s and I, I, I felt like I'd had lost a decade of my life. I'd had multiple miscarriages and ectopic pregnancy that almost took my life. Um, and I just felt that I'd sort of given my whole life to what I call Project Baby and I needed to do something different. And that was the moment where I turned back to this childhood dream and I... I had no idea what was ahead of me. I had no idea what was involved in swimming the channel, but off I went and it was the most remarkable journey. So that's my marathon story. <laughs> uh, a couple of marathons in there, <laughs> but let's... Um... Yes, indeed. <laughs> tell me, um, yeah, so tell me about approaching swimmers because I think they I'm as a swimmer grew up swimming competitive swimming all that stuff I still walking into a new swim team is a pretty intimidating thing so what was it like trying to you know get in with the swimming crowd yeah um I distinctly remember that I, I have a couple of sort of um episodes let's say that I really remember um one of which was, uh, I, I, well, the first thing I did is that I went to a very famous open water swimming club in the UK, which is based in London Hyde's Park in the Serpentine. And they basically have nurtured more, um, I mean, obviously coming from the UK, channel swimming, swimming from England to France is sort of the most iconic um, marathon swim there is really um, and the Serpentine Swimming Club has nurtured more open water swimmers than any other open water swimming club in the world and I remember I went I sort of I, I sort of googled as you did went to um, Mr Google and sort of said how do I swim the channel and I found this information out and I remember sidling down to this club and every Saturday they hold these races for, um, 
for the, for the club members. And I remember sidling up to someone who sort of looked in charge of the races and said, you know, um, I want to swim the channel. Um, you know, is there anyone here that I could speak to? Um, and then they sort of introduced me to someone. And I remember uh, thinking that when I, so they introduced me to these really tall strapping men. And I remember them thinking they were really, how nonplussed they were when I said I wanted to swim the channel. Um, and I, I, I sort of felt, I was quite bemused by that. Um, and I think in retrospect, what I realize is that they sort of thought, oh, do you, you know, like, like we, oh yeah, we hear this over and over again, but like, we're not gonna get excited until we've sort of like seen whether you really, really, you know, um, are, are serious about this. And then that sort of feeds into an, another thing. After that, I um, I spoke, I, I was sort of, how do I, again, Googling, how do I swim the channel? And I ended up speaking to this guy who became one of like my inspirations, a guy called John Conningham, Conningham Rolls, who runs this um, swim tour company called SwimQuest. And I remember having a conversation with him over the phone. Um, and I just, at that point, I had no idea what was involved. Um, and he sort of said, so I said, well, you know, like, well, can you swim? Can you do the crawl? He said. And I was like, well, I can, I can sort of do the crawl, but I'd rather do it breaststroke. And, and I remember him saying, well, you know, like if you're going to do it breaststroke, you're going to be in for 10 hours longer than if you do the crawl. And I was like, 10 hours long. <laughs> How long does this thing take? And he said, well, on average, it takes 15 hours. And I'm like, 15 hours? You know, like, and and then and then I remember saying to him, well, at least when I get to France, you know, like I can get out and like I can stay in a nice hotel and have croissants for breakfast. And he was like, you don't stay in France. <laughs> touch, the, touch the sand and get on the boat and come back. And, you know, like, it was just like... And, and, and also um, that, another thing that came out of that conversation was realising that you couldn't wear a wetsuit if you want to be an official channel swimmer because mm -hmm. Captain Matthew Webb, who first swam the channel in 1875, didn't wear a wetsuit. So now, in order to be classified as an official channel swimmer. And so, like, and, th and then what I didn't realise until actually, and, you know, at this point, I was having conversations with people. I hadn't even got into the water. And then... <laughs> You know, the first time I got into cold water, you know, below swimming pool temperature, like, and I realized, like, I couldn't even swim for 10 minutes, you know, like, let alone 15 hours. And, and I couldn't even do the crawl at that point, you know, like, everything was just like, there was so much learning ahead of me. So, yeah, I think, that, and then I would just say about the swimming community is that whilst they were all really sceptical at the beginning and a bit nonplussed, as I said, and a bit sort of reserved, gradually they saw that I like, I was, I, I was serious, you know, and then I have to say, I did get the most amazing support ever. Um, I w I've always been, and I, I I'm known as the sort of black sheep of the swimming community because 
like I did like hate the train. I mean, I would just complain about the training bitterly. It was just the only good thing I could see about it. I mean, like I do feel a bit bad saying all this to you because you're probably one of these people who loves the water and I do love the water. Yeah. I have my very special love for the water and we might come on and talk about that. But like there is nothing about it that I find easy at yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, gosh, okay. So many things to think about. So I guess, um, your book, which is how I, um, found yeah. you the one of my previous guests, Melanie Tyrell sent this on to me, which is so amazing to me that, uh, that someone in England said she had shipped it back with a friend of hers to Florida who been, or sent it back with her because she was over there visiting and then she mailed it to me. <laughs> and I just, I just, <laughs> I just, um, I, I just poured over it and I had a big swim in Lake Tahoe in, um, gosh, it was last month about this time. Uh, yeah, it's the 13th of July. I can't believe it's only been a month. It feels like two months, um, or six, <laughs> but I, um, the words, so you interviewed all of these women in this book, um, um and maybe you want to tell us a little bit about maybe the what you're willing to tell about the idea for the book. I, won't, I don't want to take words out of your mouth or overtell. <laughs> well, it's, having said all these things about how hard swimming the channel was, the one thing that I found out that seemed to be the, the like the silver lining was that it it's a license to eat, right? Yes, because which I love want- because I love eating. <laughs> I mean, like, so I ought to sort of declare my unadulterated joy in life is food. Um, But I've also, like many women, had a complex relationship with food, you know, like, and I I write about this in the book, you know. Um, Well, I write about the schizophrenia of of sort of living 10 years, wanting to get fat because I wanted to get pregnant, Mm -hmm. but also wanting to get, like, thin because, you know, that's what we're told that we need to be as women. So um, the one redeeming thing about swimming the channel seemed to me to be it was a license to eat um, because you can't wear a wetsuit. So the only way to sort of keep warm is a bit of, as I say, human padding. Um, And uh, so I then had this idea that I would um, write to 21 women, 21 being the number of miles from England to France. So, and the, the, net, the ultimate sort of title of my book, but that I would write to 21 women to ask if they would meet and eat with me to help me get fat, to swim the channel and answer the question, does motherhood make you happy? Um, because obviously, you know, I'd come to this, this journey out of my um, fertility story. And I was trying to work out what to do next. I'd been through 11 rounds of unsuccessful IVF, um, you know, and I wanted to work out, did I need to find some way of becoming a mother? Did I need to consider egg donation, surrogacy, adoption, fostering, or could I have a fulfilling life without children? And uh, I met the most amazing women from all you know walks of life, professors and baronesses, and like I, I, I had the sort of thing that everyone that I met were um, you know they'd done they they'd done something amazing. They've got a Wikipedia site. Some of them are household names. Some are people who've just done something quietly amazing. Um, and 
and and I had the most amazing response. Nearly everyone I approached said yes. I think they I think they just thought, who is this woman? You know, this, this mad woman. Um, because I'd written my first book by then, which is called The Pursuit of Motherhood, which was about my treatment journey. So who is this woman? And I, I ran a big theatre in London, uh, um, uh, a theatre like a, a, a theatre where people perform. I always say rather than operating theatre. <laughs> um, and um, and and so that who is this woman who runs this big theatre in London and has been through 11 rounds of unsuccessful IVF and uh, and now is swimming the channel and wants to meet and eat with me and so I think they just thought that I must be some like weird person which which I am <laughs> it is true and so they all said yes and it was just the most amazing well the majority of them said yes and it's the most amazing journey. That was amazing journey too. And yeah, we spoke about motherhood, and we, but we also, and but we also spoke about water and swimming and all sort of, you know, life really, basic life as a woman in the twenty first century, basically. Um, and it was amazing. Yeah, I, um, as I mentioned when I reached out to you, I had a different journey yeah. and a different outcome. But one, I there was this one sentence. If I'm, if I can read just one sentence, yeah, cool. <laughs> I it quickly, but I mean, there was many things about it that super jumped out at me, but, um, there was, I, I guess I, maybe I should paraphrase my, my journey a little bit. I, yeah. um, we did the, you know, throughout the, like, let's have a baby throughout the, um, birth control and just decide <laughs> just to, to, to go for it. And, um, and years started ticking by and we weren't, I wasn't, I wasn't so, I wasn't inclined to have for intervention. I'm kind of, I, I'm inclined for like medical intervention, something I kind of avoid anyway. <laughs> I don't know if it's American medical system or what, anyway, I just kind of avoid it. So didn't really know if there was a problem or not, but wasn't really having any luck when I finally did or like right away when I finally get the whole, you know, timing down and you learn like things I just hadn't learned as a child, which was, I thought was really weird that I, no one had ever explained to me about cycles, like details of it. So that was an interesting journey in itself. And then finally get pregnant. Things seem like they're going smashingly and then, um, unexpected water break, no, no reason, no, don't know why, um, had to have it labor induced at 21 weeks, baby stillborn. Um, and then just, and then just trying to live with this loss. And, 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 and even though it wasn't like, I hadn't gone to the fertility specialist yet, but I ended up doing that later on. Um, and then trying to get my head around like, okay, you know, like just like the way that you write about it, it's like you you think it's like this given you you throw away the birth control, you get pregnant, and then you have a baby, and then you go on with your life, <laughs> and and for it to to like deal with this like this loss right away, and then ultimately ended up having another miscarriage, and um, uh, and then when but but I had I around that same time I had um fell in, I had like fell in love with open water swimming, and really wanted to start pushing myself into marathon distances and things like that because I was just captivated the first time I saw someone swim like 10 miles. I was just like, wow, people do that. I mean, and I knew about the English channel from being a kid and whatever, but I didn't realize like that there was just people that were like, oh, hey, I'm going to go swim 10 miles today. <laughs> so I immediately started jumping into this marathon swimming thing. And so trying to through this whole fertility game of like trying to have a baby and like trying to balance this, it's like, how much do I swim? Do I not swim? Do I restrain from swimming? And then after I had those two baby losses and was still 
trying to be get pregnant, I finally just decided like, I don't like you talk about like realizing there's something greater out there determining this and like, it's not going to matter. So I was like, I'm doing it. I like set up my biggest year yet. (laughs) And what you had said in here was, um, I have an idea about how swimming the channel might help me decide what to do next in my pursuit of motherhood. Besides, I can always cancel the booking if the baby does decide to arrive. And that's kind of what, what I did. Like that just, that's, that oh. sense was just like, because I, I was just like, uh, maybe I get pregnant. Maybe I lose it. Maybe, maybe I don't, but I am going to swim. <laughs> um, think, oh, thank you for sharing that. And because I know, like we, well, we were talking about this before, weren't we? That, it never leaves you these feelings. Um, but I, I, it's really interesting you picked out, I was wondering obviously what line you were gonna pick out and it's really interesting because I think that that, like we put our lives on hold, you know, um, for uh, like uh, those of us who are trying to create the family and you imagine, and I think that really, I mean, like, God, I can't imagine going through the loss that you, you've you been through. I mean, I had miscarriages, but they were uh, they were early and an ectopic pregnancy that was at three months. But, um, I, yeah, and I know many people who've been through stillbirth and it's just tragic. Um, but I think you put your whole life on hold um, and, you're, and you're living in limbo. You, you're not sure if you, like, happy, you're ever going to be able what your life is going to look like or if you're going to be happy with it, going to be able to be happy. And I think, you know, like for me, and it sounds like for you, like the, mo- like the moment that I thought I, I started to swim, like there was something else in my life, you know, and, 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 and I could just focus on that and like let go a little bit of the, you know, the reins that I was holding on everything else or the tension. And it, it just it was just transformational for me. It sounds like it was for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's been interesting to me and what I, I like, this is why, well, a million reasons I love the book so much, but, but like the, how much I wanted to hold on to it. Like as soon as I had my son, I still, I was like, okay, when can I go train for the next thing? And that was what was kind of beautiful to me about how, when you talk to these women that you find out like that, it isn't, it's just a part. Yeah. of your life it isn't your life and that was the, the the like the question I didn't know I had like I just was just kind of following this desire and trying to cr- get the support I needed to like now I have to have someone to watch I call it my you know your land support <laughs> the person that greets you on the beach is the person that watches your kids <laughs> and, and trying to get everything in line to still make it happen but um yeah, I just, I thought that that was the way that you approached that. And in talking to all those women, like it was just so fulfilling for me to realize like, oh, this is, you know, natural. And it's not that I don't want to be a mom to my kids no. or, or that I couldn't be a better mom or whatever. Like it, it's just that I, that you get to get all, you get to do all these things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You need other things, don't you, in your life, you know, yeah. like, like whether you have kids or whether you're on the journey to try and have kids, yeah. you need. you need to focus on project you as well as project baby or project family Mm -hmm. project mother you know yeah I I, that's one of the things that all the women I met really taught me Mm -hmm. yeah 
I'm curious, this just kind of popped in my head is like, I'm wondering if it was like, for me, motherhood seemed like it, it was this all consuming thing, maybe because that's like how I was like, I was kind of raised, like my mom was with us at home until like seven, whatever we were in first grade. And then she went off to work again. So I'm wondering if it like, was it similar for you? Like that you're, that you like, I mean, how do we get the idea even that motherhood is like, it should be a thing and that we yeah. set so I mean, much on it. I'm reading a book at the moment where, um, how, how to fail by Elizabeth day, where, where she taught and she had, she's had, um, troubles conceiving as well. And she talks about exactly that, which is, um, you know, she, like it, it, she t- talks about the fact that she's come from a generation where women were told that they could sort of have it all, but also our role models were our mothers who were, you know, had been educated, but were still the main and may have jobs, but were, were still the main caregivers at home. I mean, I, I think, and, and that creates, you know, like complicated um, feelings, but I mean, I, I, I also come to the conclusion in my book that, um, you know, people want to be parents for all sorts of reasons, you know. Um, I always think it's funny when I meet, uh, like I was walking with someone um, at the weekend, just gone, this is why it's fresh in my mind, um, a man who said that he hadn't had children and he said, oh, I, I didn't, I was too selfish. Um, I didn't, and, and I said, I said, you're wrong. Like people who want children are just as selfish as people who don't want children because we have children for selfish reasons as well because we want to live our childhoods again because you know we um want to um you know we feel that our life isn't going to be fulfilled unless we um you know have that in our life you know so I think people come to to parenthood for all sorts of different reasons um and but then often find that actually it doesn't fulfill every need that you have as an individual so uh, yeah you have to you have to go and find that mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah maybe no matter how you well yeah so wondering the people who yeah I don't know <laughs> big question right how to fail who is that author of that oh it's a woman called Elizabeth Day okay I'm gonna check that out yeah yeah it's great it's she also has a podcast called the how to fail podcast i mean it's been huge over here yeah and she interviews famous people about the like the 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 ways that they failed in their life and what they've learned through failure that's fantastic yeah Yeah, i love that (laughs) but but linking that to like i i feel like i've known i know a lot about failure having been through you know like many things but the you know big thing was 11 rounds of unsuccessful IVF um and then I think you know like the fact that I I wrote I don't know if you remember I write about this in the book the like the the terrible moment in a way of my channel journey was when I realized that trying to swim the channel was just like going through IVF Mm -hmm. because basically it didn't matter how hard I trained and you know obviously I've talked already about like you know like what a big journey I had to go like I had to learn how to swim I had to learn how to deal with the cold water but I realized didn't matter how hard I trained but success was no guarantee because um you know ultimately the sea 
decides whether you can cross her. Um, and when I realized that, it was terrifying to me because I'd been through so much failure um, and I just suddenly realized that I was facing something that was out of my control, that failure that was out of my control. And I was facing something again that was out of my control. But I think therefore the fact that I swam it and I do always feel like the sea allowed me to swim her. Um, it wasn't that I, you know, like I, I'm not some, you know, like superhuman, you know, even though I know that swimming the channel is really hard, she allowed me to swim her. And the fact she did was, um, it has become sort of part of this conversation I've now subsequently feel that I've been having with nature and has become so significant to my life, which is why the water, you know, even now, you know, I'm not, I mean, I have done some more marathon swims, but I, I, at the moment, I, I just get in for like 10 minutes. And even that brings everything back. It's like a union with the, um, with, with the, with the sea, with the water that, that, that gave me the success so, of swimming across when I just needed it so badly. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, I, I um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's funny, I turned 50 at the end of last year and my niece asked me, because I asked lots of people for sort of new challenges to take on in my, this decade of my life. And everyone gave me challenges that really, really simple, low key challenges, because I've done quite a lot of big challenges. Um, and my niece gave me, Jessica, write down the 50 best memories of your life. And number one is without doubt, the journey to swim the channel and reaching the other side. That is how like significant it is. Um, yeah. the, the word that I've, that I've started, I mean, I touched on this maybe in some of my, my other podcasts, but the, it's the surrender. You have to, you have to surrender to the day and to the conditions. And I think it's an interesting aspect. I think I mentioned it with someone I was interviewing a few weeks ago and she's like, well, I don't really have like, for her, it wasn't a thing, but I think for some people like who are, want to be in control of their life and you kind of yeah. touch on that, that personality type, maybe we can speak to a little bit about that personality type and if it's evolved or changed. <laughs> it's definitely, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a perfectionist and I still struggle with perfectionist tendencies. Um, and I don't know like whether I'll ever fully not, you know, like I, because even in the imperfect life, I try to create perfection, you know, like, <laughs> like I, an imperfect, perfect. Um, but if that makes sense. Um, but um, yeah, I, I definitely feel that the water swimming, marathon swimming has taught me so much about acceptance and recognizing that you can't that you can't control and that has put and, and and it absolutely I mean I I'm the first person to say I you know I went through 11 rounds of unsuccessful IVF and I didn't end up with the miracle baby and I am childless still 
Um, and I'm never getting over that, just in the same way that I don't think you'll ever get over your stillbirth, even though you've gone on to have children. Um, but that I, um, I'm, ne I'm like, I'm never getting over that. I'm never wishing that it wasn't different. I wish it was, but I, um, I sort of feel now that I can appreciate the good things in my life. Um, and obviously swimming is like right up there um, and will uh, like to the end of my life, it will, it will just always, and it's mine. You know, I think that's the other thing. I don't know if you feel this, like it's all mine, like the swim, the training, the me in the water. It, 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 it's not something I have to, sh I mean, I do share it with the community of people that supported me to get across. Of course, it's a team effort and I'm so grateful to them. And also now in writing the book, sharing my story with people and talking to people, but like I, there's a place where this is just mine and it's pure and perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I, the water's taught me so much about like the things that you can't control and acceptance and, and love really. Yeah. Yeah. That like that pride and that ownership of that accomplishment. I think that's a big, that's a big driver for, well, I know for me uh, and a couple other people I've talked to have mentioned that as well, just that that's something that you will always have done. You'll always be able to look back and you'll always be able to carry it with you. And like you said, like it's, it's perfect. It's, it's exactly what it was at the time and you get to accept it. So it's, it's better than a child because you don't have to worry about it abandoning you when it's a teenager and talking back. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And also it's hard. I mean, do you find swimming hard? I don't mean, you think it, perhaps not. Like I try to teach it to be as easy as possible and I find it easy um, I find it, I guess I, I talk about it as like when you can get the perfect body position, I don't think everyone has necessarily been taught for it to be easy, but I think that there's opportunity <laughs> for yeah. it to be easy with, with the right instruction. Um, yeah. but even uh, marathon, do you feel even marathon swimming in cold water? Uh, no, I think that like the getting in the cold water every time is hard <laughs> for sure. And it's hard to convince myself to get there, to do it. Like I said before, I have, I'm super spoiled. I have an endless pool in my backyard. I don't, I'm embarrassed to say I don't get in every day. I don't always even get in three times a week. And it's right there. It stares at me in the face and it says, why are you in me? But it's hard. It's hard. So I, I get, I get that for sure. And I admire anybody who, can, who goes to swim every single day. And now I can chalk it up to, oh, well, I've got kids and this and that, and I can, you know, I can make myself busy, but the social reasons are, I, I do it more for the social reasons. And then with marathon swimming, I think it's, it's the experience. Yeah. And, and, but I, I feel like I limp along a little on the journey. People talk so much about embracing the journey, but I feel like I'm like, it's a little bit like pulling teeth and pulling teeth, but then I can like settle in and I have this amazing experience. I guess the journey of the swim is, yeah. is different for me than like the journey of the training. It feels a little bit excruciating yeah. Yeah. getting through yeah. it. Yeah. So everyone maybe has their different hard thing, yeah. But I think that, that I remember in my book, I don't know if you remember, I, I, one, I speak to um, Professor Susan Greenfield and she says, to, and I'm asking her what happiness 
isn't she said happiness is doing something hard and achieving it Mm -hmm. and I and I think um that really resonated with me because I think for me one of the reasons why it has this swim has become so significant is that it was so hard for me in so many ways not just starting from like knowing nothing to then the training to then the swim itself and of course you know, having to face that it, the success was out of my control, you know, but doing something really hard and achieving it um, is, I think, why it's so important. It's been so important to me. Yeah. And I think it, you know, and it is, well, you you might have different hard things, but within that, but, um, but yeah, I think it is hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for, I don't, it, it, it's interesting though, like part of my journey of creating marathon swim stories was to find out you know like if there's other people that (laughs) approach it the same way as I do I used to always ask the question are you a process or an outcome person and it was always kind of interesting because there's some people out there who are like oh I just love the process I love swimming every day I love creating the spreadsheet of the training plan and like I like to create the training plan but adhering to it (laughs) (laughs) I there's I I set the non-negotiables for myself that's what what uh that that's how I get through it it's like (laughs) good good yeah I think it's so funny like um I have this thing which I I have this dilemma which is that as the water gets colder in the winter you can't swim as long so that's good because you you but it's colder that's not good so you're but it's always this sort of balance. And then when this is in training and then when this water starts getting warmer, that's better because the water's warmer, but then you have to swim, just swim longer. Like exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know which I prefer, <laughs> but I think I prefer the cold water swimming shorter. shorter. I, I have this, um, again, another chapter in my book where I talk about this 10, like 10 minutes feels like 10 out, like the first 10 minutes in cold mm-hmm. water is the hardest. You know, like, and then the longer you're in that, I mean, I don't know if you feel this, that the longer you're swimming, I mean, I, I, this must be some sort of phenomenon, you know, that the, the time goes more quickly, mm-hmm. you feel the cold less, you know. Um, so, yeah, you've just got to keep going and know that you're getting to a better place. But the first 10 minutes is just terrible. I think the first 10 minutes getting in, but also like setting out on that, you know, five hours swim the first 10 minutes, you're just like, oh, or even first like half hour. <laughs> but then the time just started to kind of speeds up. Yeah, and then it speeds up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's an it is an interesting phenomena. As uh, one yeah. of the people I was interviewing was talking about how for her she wants to like stop time. Like that was one of the things she wants to achieve. She's getting ready to swim around Manhattan. And I thought that was interesting. Like people talk a lot about like the like not having electronic devices and like being able to leave all that stuff outside and like just being able to just be with themselves and their thoughts and like really appreciating that. And I um there's aspects of that that I enjoy, but I spend a lot of time with my thoughts. I'm not like an extrovert. I'm not always out talking to people. So <laughs> getting in the pool is like okay, and then I get to stuck with my thoughts some more <laughs> for me personally. But I, I really like this idea though of like. I liked how she was talking about stopping time. I don't think I feel it the same way, but I could see how for some people like that could really. Yeah. Something that but I think like, what, so she was saying that she likes to stop, be with her thoughts. In... Well, she was just saying for her, when she gets into swim, it kind of stops time. Like you just, you know, you yeah. like the, all of a sudden every minute you're 
can feel every second and every, you know, and you like just everything just kind of stretches yeah. out, especially when you're really into it for a while. Things just kind yeah, of really yeah. stretch and then out. She's thinking, and that gives her thinking. That's the thing that I didn't quite understand. And that gives her thinking time. And she likes that because my response to that is that I don't think when I'm, I can't think when I'm, <laughs> all I'm thinking is this is terrible. This is cold. How long, how long have I been here? Like that, you know, like counting, I might count, you know, um, uh, you, you know, like I asked every woman that I met to give me a word. I mean, even uh, like to take on my channel swim. I mean, I was like hours in before I remembered those words and started reciting them to myself. Like I find it really difficult to think when I'm in the water, but I mean, I suppose that that then becomes the sort of form of meditation because obviously when you're, meditating you're not supposed to think are you so yes mm-hmm. that's probably quite good yeah I don't yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love those words I brought them with me to Tahoe for oh, I was 20, yeah. 26 miles and I, I gave them to my crew because I wasn't able to I because I can't keep my thoughts straight or anything the only thing I can think about when I swim is my technique so I focus on my little aspects of my technique but I yeah. gave those to my crew and she periodically would pull up a a word from the book and it was wonderful to be able to just kind of dive back and to try to remember who it was that said it whatever you know gave me just took broke things up <laughs> did 26 miles across. how long did that take I don't want to know because you're really just like <laughs> it was yeah <laughs> go on then tell me make me feel bad <laughs> no I don't want to make you feel bad it doesn't it's um well and it's not choppy and you don't have a current I mean the lake I was like Tahoe's it's different it's a different beast swimming in lakes I'm still working up to swimming in the sea when I right. first when I did my first like 10 miles in the lake I was I was like okay I could, if I can do 10 miles like I could do I could do I could think about the English channel was kind of the way I was thinking about it. But then, but I was like, but that means I have to get to England and then I might not have, you have to wait for the weather window. And then it's not really, I mean, it's never a sure thing, but it's a surer thing when it's a lake because <laughs> it's, right. especially yeah. in America in the West where we are now we have fires and that is actually t- changing a lot of people's swims this year, unfortunately, but it's um, anyway, I hope, I'm I hope to do the English channel someday. I've, I've said it, said it out. Yeah, well, I, I love <laughs> you too, and I'll be there waving, waving you off or supporting you on your swim. I'd, I'd it would be an honor. Um, what? But has twenty six miles? How long? You can't get away with not answering the question. Uh, fifteen hours. Amazing, amazing, yeah. incredible. That was a. It was fun. It was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day out for sure. Um. I so you still swim you've kept that you've kept it going you said it's hard but you keep swimming one of my proudest things at the moment so I live on the edge of Hampstead Heath in London and we have like a series of ponds that you can swim in on the heath tiny (laughs) when I think of you in Lake Tahoe me in the pond um and uh we have a mixed pond a men's pond and a ladies pond um and I've been taking my 89 year old mother to the mixed pond over the summer um, and we're like the comedy duo at the pond um, but I'm just so um, we get in and she, we, we do you know like do five or ten minutes but that's all I'm sort of really doing at the moment um, and uh, I'm just so proud of her and just that's wonderful what a gift with her yeah it's 
Yeah, and um, I mean, she's always swum a bit, at, like through my. I mean, she, I I didn't get my um, open water swimming from her particularly, but you know, like she's always sort of been quite hardy. But I'm just so so proud of her at the moment. That that's my joy at the moment. That's wonderful. Um, and you also started tackling mountains. Tell us a little bit about that, and and especially I'm interested in like the you know like what what's carried over and what's completely different. <laughs> oh right yes well um I so when I swam the channel in 2015 everybody said to me you're gonna just we're just warning you that you are now gonna get depressed and I was like what you know I think it's just been the most amazing thing in my life you know get depressed but but of course they're right because you know our, you, you've had this focus for several years and then it's happened and it's, it, you know, this amazing climax. And then it is an anti-climax. And they said, don't whatever you do, you know, think about any sort of other challenge immediately. You've just got to sort of process what you've been through. Within two weeks, I booked to climb Kilimanjaro um, <laughs> at Christmas because I just needed something else. And um, it was amazing. It was like a, the complete sort of antithesis of, like having your head in dark, cold water, you know, having your head to the, the sky and the snow. And um, and that was the start of what became a journey to become the first woman um, to achieve the Pond Peak Challenge, which is to swim the English Channel and climb Mount Everest. Um, I knew nothing about climbing mountains. I mean, I just like laugh when I think of myself on Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Um, because like I didn't even know what poles were you know I didn't even have a little like a proper rucksack you know like it's like it's same same you know like as me starting out on the channel um, and it's been a huge journey um, and I think the Pond Peak in fact someone another man has just achieved the Pond Peak so I think it, it, about 11 men have done it but no women have done it it's been a really long, hard journey because I was supposed to go to Everest in 2020. It was the mountain was shut down because of COVID. I did end up going this year, but unfortunately, um, it was just disastrous. We had several cyclones um, and then I got a chest infection and then ultimately oh, no. our whole expedition got shut down because our Sherpa team got COVID. But oh, no. it was also totally life-changing um, in another, you know, and also I really do want to go back and the record, I mean, somebody else might get the record before me, but the record is, um, is still um, there. Um, and it's, and what I say about it is, the, the differences and similarities, the, the differences are like, uh, there are so many more elements in climbing mountains, you know, like there's this survival at altitude, high mountains, survival at altitude, the, the equipment, the technical side of it, as well as the endurance. Um, but like, I think there's nothing harder than getting into cold water wearing a swimming costume you know like I always say yeah but I'm never cold like I can wear clothes <laughs> um but I I think in some respects and also because I'm getting older um like I, I you know the fitness is harder now um and there are so many there have been so many elements to contend with but where it's totally the same and where it's become part of 
again, part of my sort of life's journey is that mountains are like the sea. They will decide, mountain decides, nature decides whether you can climb a mountain or swim a sea. And so, of course, this time, you know, nature decided that I wasn't going to climb the mountain, you know, well, lots of us were not going to climb the mountain this year. Um, not, you know, partly to do with the weather, but also to do with COVID and, um, and, you know, that, that's, that, that's the big similarity. And that's why it's been, again, such an important journey that mm -hmm. I do really hope to complete. But I, I say, I'm not going to have another IVF, 11 rounds, no, 11 attempts, no summit. Yeah. <laughs> I just think I've come back now knowing what is involved in climbing that mountain. And, you know, I can, um, I, you know, some things that I want to do to get better and stronger. And yeah, I love the, I love, I love the journey. I love the journey of swimming the channel. I love the journey of climbing Everest. Um, and the, it is about the journey, but as I say to everyone, it's also about the destination. Mm -hmm. It is also about the destination. Mm -hmm. um, and the destination is the thing that like, you, you know, like make, well, certainly was what made reaching France was what made the journey so incredibly special. So I do want to have another chance if I can, whilst yeah. also knowing that it's been amazing to yeah. this point and I wouldn't change anything, even not getting to the shop this year. When do you think, so you said you're not going to do the 11 rounds of IVF yeah. version of Everest. When do you think, you know, then you've tried the best that you can. I, I don't know. Um, I, like I, I'm, I'm like, I'm hesitant about going, well, I'm going to try one more time. And if I don't make it, that's it. Because, you know, it is out, there's, there's things that are out of your control. So I just don't think that's respecting the mountain to put times on, but, you know, like the, one of the things that I've learned about, cause I do a lot of campaigning around fertility is that what is not understood is that IVF isn't a one treatment, um, one cycle treatment. You know, most people have to go through more rounds of IVF than one to be successful um and that's why you know certainly in the uk you know we have a regulator of fertility treatment that recommends that people go through three rounds of treatment and so i but going through 11 rounds of treatment is at the extreme end of the scale and i just think that i want to learn from that experience that that sometimes you it, it is right to try things more than once but it isn't right to go to the extreme like and I, you know that's not to say that I don't think it was right it was wrong for me to do 11 rounds of IVF that was what I did but I think I've learned you know like life is a process of learning isn't it and Absolutely. and I think like I I hope that I you know that I know that I know that I have at least one more attempt in Everest it feels right but and I know I hope that I will also know when the mountain says enough because also you know I'm getting I'm 50 and I'm not the oldest woman to climb Everest but um you know I, I am one of the oldest women on Everest at the moment and nearly the oldest British woman to be to be to, to be attempting it and it's and swimming's a bit different I think in that mm -hmm. respect yeah. it is yeah I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about open water swimming so I hope you'll yeah keep that definitely. Up.
Definitely. And of course, you know, like you can climb mountains at any age, but like that. And, and in a way, one of the th- big things that I learned, even though there were lots of things out of my control this year, was that I'd sort of relied a bit on my strength, my mental strength, you know, um, because everyone always says, oh, like these big endurance marathon challenges, it's 80% mental and 20% physical. And I always say it's a bit more complicated than that because it depends who you are. Because I am really strong mentally. Clearly, you don't go through 11 rounds of IVF in the channel if you're not, you know, like that isn't my weakness. Like I'm, I'm not really physically fit and I'm not like, I haven't got an aptitude for these sports. I haven't been doing them all my life. So what I need to do, I've sort of just got back into, um, I I got a bit into my comfort zone over the last year and COVID didn't help, you know, because, and so I just sort of trained within my comfort zone and I've got to get out of it. Um, and that, you know, and we were talking about this before we started recording, weren't we? That, that um, you know, like, because I've done the channel now, people think you're something that you're not, mm. you know, like that, that you're some, you know, like you're some sort of super person. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really not. I'm just an ordinary person. And I think, and people say to me, oh, I could never swim the channel. I could never attempt Everest. I go, of course you could, if you really want to do it. You know, like, and you can achieve it if you really want it. But you also have to recognize where your weaknesses are and really work at them. And I need to do, and I learned this year that I need to do a little bit more on my weakness. And that was also why it was sort of really the right outcome. And my weakness is like, I need to get fitter. <laughs> I can go on forever, but I need to get fitter and faster. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I love, I love that part, the part of your book where you wrote the little training plan. Um, because it was, it, it, it was so perfect. It's like exactly what I guess I would have written for you. Cause it really did it. You were like, okay, my weakness is cold. So you put yeah. that in your plan and, you know, and I need to swim with these people. And I, that's exactly how a training plan should be. It's not like you should go download one from the internet. Like you, that's yeah. why we're having a coach is super handy or, or a community yeah, of people that can help definitely, you. Definitely. And also being honest with yourself oh, gosh, yeah. where you, you know, you have to do the stuff that you don't like, you know? Yeah. And having, I guess uh, you need an objective person to, <laughs> to help you identify those, yeah. whether, you know, like that's why getting into a situation where you're swimming with well supported with people that um, can help you be like, oh, okay, let's work on, you know, this Jessica or whatever. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Having a good coach. Is, yeah. So I've so I'm going to join a high altitude gym. That's my new plan. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah and uh gets yes gets it <laughs> <laughs> it's always that easy right that get fit check that's what yeah. we want to do <laughs> done done that <laughs> well I could I could talk to you all day but I want to just ask one more question if you'll allow me with time okay <laughs> you had a chapter called optimist or pessimist optimist or pessimist that's because right. you were booking the optimist, right? How's that optimist? Yeah, yeah. Has that? How do you? Has your perspective changed at all after this journey? Do you still consider? Because you considered yourself a pessimist in that. Yeah, such a great question. Like you can't. Like there are some things that you can't fundamentally change. You know, like and I talked about perfectionism. Like I'm a mm-hmm. perfectionist. I'm I'm a pessimist. 
I don't, I think those things are fundamentally me. But what I've realized is that, and I really mean this, that life is still beautiful and wonderful in its imperfection. And even when your pessimism is proved true, um, and you know, part of the reason for my pessimism is because I don't want to be disappointed, you know? Exactly, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to protect myself from disappointment. And I have had a lot of disappointment in my life and I continue to have disappointment. I, you know, I've spoken really positively about like not summiting Everest this year, but clearly that's another disappointment. Yeah. But I, I definitely do feel that you, you know, there is there are amazing things to come when life doesn't go how you dreamt it would or how you planned it would and when your pessimism is proved true but what you have to do is do the work to create new opportunities that you can be pessimistic about (laughs) but sometimes you know wonderful things happen yeah being optimistic enough to create the opportunities right (laughs) yeah exactly beautifully put optimistic enough to create the other that's beautiful I couldn't have put it best that is beautiful I'm gonna take that and steal it absolutely yep yeah (laughs) I think I am that I'm optimistic enough to keep creating the opportunities that's beautiful I love that thank you Yeah. my little gift to you for your Thank gift you. of healing Thank to some degree for me with the book. Oh, you, oh I'm so happy it's been such a pleasure to chat to you thank you so, so much thank you thank you where can we find you <laughs> i'll put some links and stuff on your page yeah. like google google me but <laughs> like jessicahepburn.com www.jessicahepburn.com and everything is there everything is there <laughs> so much thank you so much i hope you enjoyed this episode have you heard of the intrepid water accountability group we'll support and encourage each other on a private chat platform pursue monthly challenges both in the water and on land and meet virtually once a month to dive deep on a topic. If you'd like to join a group of like-minded limit pushers from around the globe, join the Intrepid Water Accountability Group. Find out more at intrepidwater.com.